Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of LL Research, an organization dedicated to sharing spiritual information with the world. You can find out more about LL Research at llresearch.org. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who claim to hail from an organization they call the Confederation of Planets in service to the Infinite Creator. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy describing these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. How's it going, Ryan? Fantastic. How are you, Jeremy? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, still munching on a snack here, but uh, I partied a little hard last night, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I've been recovering all day, but uh, I am doing good now. I'm doing well now, and mm. uh, I'm ready for you. Well, as the kids would say these days, YOLO. You only live once. <laughs> and we are here to put that myth to rest. <laughs> You know what? Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Oi, it's a, we are potty training our two-year-old. And um, he, so he's been running around the house naked. Because I guess when you potty train, you take the diaper off. And then when your kid has to go to the bathroom, it, there's just a quick pause. Like, well, where's all this pee going to go? <laughs> so, and then you can take that opportunity to say, hey, here's the toilet. This is where we go now. But, um. It's been fun. We've had a, had a couple accidents, but it's a good reminder that, you know, some things you just, you got to learn from scratch. You got to, you got to start from scratch with some of these items, you know? And it's, it's a very basic, basic thing too, uh, that you learn that will, uh, serve you <laughs> through the rest of your life. I'm acting like it's a, you know, a degree from Harvard or something, but you know, it is a passport to greater understanding, not being able to, you know, no, or not, not having to pee your pants all the time. Not having to pee your pants. Yes. Yeah. is a little bit of sort of a red of the... ray issue. Wouldn't you say red ray center? <laughs> Definitely red ray. <laughs> Speaking of, I am, I am excited for today. Um, you know, you and I were kind of struggling for what we wanted to talk about, um, this episode. And for me, for me, the issue stems from the fact that there is so much you can talk about. It's like, how do you narrow it down? And, but I had the thought this morning, I would love to get into the energy centers because the same way we could boil down virtually every episode that we do and are going to do, we could boil it down to, or we could tie it back into the core theme of our incarnational experience. And that is what lessons are we to learn in, you know, in the search for greater love and understanding. And then on top of that, we just, you know, we discussed karma last week, and that adds a little bit of perspective on those lessons that we learn. And I think another fantastic layer to add on that is the energy, are the energy centers. Yes. Otherwise known as the chakras. Otherwise uh, known as the chakras, which I mispronounce as chakras sometimes in the living love and light podcast i apologize um but yes the the chakras the energy centers i absolutely absolutely love it um because say you're going through a certain challenge 
having this new vocabulary that having this new vocabulary of the energy centers and the dynamics of each and kind of the meanings of each can help sort through, I think, some of the issues that you might be dealing with. Um, at least personally, of course, I always speak of my personal experience here. So take it with a grain of salt, friends. But I would love to hash some of this out with you because I do believe you've been thinking about this stuff a little while longer than I have. <laughs> because, puzzling over it a little while longer. At least longer. puzzling. Yeah, at least puzzling over it. And I do, I will say that the energy centers and the chakras were very confusing to me. Uh being in growing up in a Western culture, this is not something that is front and center. Whereas chakras, if you're, if you grew up in India, maybe this is a little bit, you know, you, you learn about it. I'm completely spitballing. I don't know if that's actually true, but I think in Eastern cultures, it might, this might have some, uh, um, commonality in, in spiritual life. Whereas in Western culture, not so much. So hearing yeah. this in the raw contact, First of all, am I way off on that? I just completely kind of made that up. That's just my perception of of how it is in the Western world versus the Eastern world. Am I am I way off base on there? I don't think you're way off base. Um, but I, I just don't know that. how much a modern <laughs> India or a modern China or any of these other uh, uh, present countries where these uh, philosophical and anatomical systems came from. I don't know. I, I honestly hmm. just don't know how much they, they, they uh, relate to them anymore. It, they may, it may be a lot, it may be a little. Um, but the point that you were making was that you didn't have a basis for it in your own life. And I think in that respect of basing your upbringing and all that, and based in that respect, I think all of the listeners and us are on pretty much the same basis. I would imagine. Yes. You know, one of the challenges of the raw contact in and of itself is the uniqueness of the vocabulary, the novelty of the ideas. And then when you layer on this, you know, the, the chakras, which is, you know, known about, some people know about this stuff. Other people don't, it just adds another layer of like, oh boy, I gotta, I gotta dig into this one too, to try to understand what's being said. So, um, yeah, there's a lot here to cover. I doubt we're going to get very far, but I think we can get, we can take a good crack at it. Yeah. And we can give a nice introduction. You know, we were talking our, uh, before we started recording and a thought occurred to me that talking about karma, catalyst, all this stuff, these are great ways of kind of like looking at your life from 30,000 feet as kind mm -hmm. of like this thing, like looking at it from above and saying, okay, here's how everything kind of maps together. But the energy centers are where the rubber meets the road. That system of understanding uh, how energy flows through you is much more in the moment. It's much more visceral and direct. And what the energy centers really are, from my point of view, from a from a from a functional perspective, is a way of dividing up experience into uh, seven kinds of uh, flavors, uh, sense, what have you. Uh, what if you could understand a given concept, a given idea in seven different ways? What if you could like see something in your life in seven different ways? What it does is it provides you with an ability to understand, maybe not understand, but to give you a way to relate to why people see things so differently, why you can see things in a radically different way than you did before. And it provides a locus for 
where to go when we want to work directly with the energy of things versus uh, going through the illusion to do it. Right. Like I'm not saying the chakras aren't part of the illusion, but like when we deal with catalyst and experience in our lives, uh, we're dealing with it as like kind of like a constituted ego and individual. Uh, and we're not thinking about how the energy is necessarily flowing through us. We're just experiencing the result of that flowing, mm-hmm. getting into the energy centers, like uh, maybe like, you know, uh, people who practice yoga talk about raising the Kundalini. Uh, they're raising the Kundalini through these energy centers. And is because they are uh, cooperating with this system of this basic um, network of energy in their bodies, uh, they're able to accomplish particular states of consciousness that they might not be able to reproduce uh, consistently. So it's got a lot of uh, promise and potential, but what I'm trying to say is that it's a very visceral, direct, experiential part of this. It is, I think, a little bit less philosophical and a little bit more, you really truly can go find this out yourself, listener. Like you can go Uh, use meditation and concentrate on the areas of your body and see what your body tells you. You know, don't listen to two guys on the internet. See what your body tells you. Or listen to us a lot, but then, you know, still go out and double check and, (laughs) you know, sort it out yourself as well. But um, I'll, I'll accept it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Oh boy, where to start? I mean, we could start at the very beginning, but maybe we should start with an overview how about that? that so let me do good. this. Let me let me let me run through my perspective of it, and then and then Jeremy can chime in or completely re you know correct and <laughs> redirect where needed. But essentially, as I understand it, we have imagined this. Well, you don't have to imagine. You can look down and you can see your chemical body, the physical body, but. Where the chemical body is our is a representation of our physical selves, or it is our physical selves, we also have an energy body that is, call it your spiritual self. And that spiritual body maybe is represented by or contains, you know, a different spectrum of light, of color, of energy. And we could split it seven ways. These are the seven energy centers. Each has a color and it has a, another name, you know, that ties into a location on your body. But we've got uh, the red ray, which is the, um, the root chakra. We have the orange ray, which is the uh, sacral chakra. Number three is the yellow ray energy center, which is the solar plexus. And then the fourth is the green ray or the heart chakra. Number five is the blue ray, which is the throat chakra. Then we've got the, is it's the indigo, correct? The indigo ray, which is the uh, pineal gland or the third eye. And then finally, number seven, the violet ray chakra, which is at the top of your head. Um, what do you call the the crown chakra? That's what it is, the crown chakra. Right. And each of the – it's funny because, you know, with um, these energy centers kind of tie in with the seven densities of consciousness. Um, you know, right now if we're in the third grade or level three, you know, and we are trying to learn the lessons of love, 
and understanding, well, it kind of ties in with the yellow ray chakra trying to move into the green heart ray chakra or the green ray heart chakra. Um, so that's an interesting little tidbit, but, uh, but essentially each, each color and each chakra has call it a purpose, or I kind of think of it as a filter. It's like on one level, you're working through issues or this one filter kind of catches things. And as you're able to sort through and balance those particular experiences, then the light or the energy filters up to the next level and you can start working on that level. How am I doing so far? At least this is how I understand it. That's pretty good. Thanks, Jeremy. I just kind of came <laughs> up with that. <laughs> the The concept of filtering is particularly good. Um, this is kind of the basic way that I think about relating to my energy centers. Uh, it is in these energy centers where uh, we have the opportunity to reject parts of the creator that we don't approve of. Um, mm -hmm. These parts of the creator are uh, expressed in different wavelengths. You could think of different vibrations of this all-encompassing white love and light that is always coming to us uh, from the creator, uh, usually from below. Uh, we think of the energy as coming into our bodies through the red ray. And so it, it's not to be taken literally, I don't think. I think it's just a way of understanding uh, the directionality of energy to think of the energy as coming from the earth, coming from below and entering us uh, in the red ray chakra. And then as it moves through these different energy centers, it uh, gets uh, refracted it gets certain wavelengths might get blocked, right? Certain ideas and, and certain catalysts or certain uh, uh, biases that we might have might cause us to filter the energy in some way. This way that we filter this energy as it goes up our centers is part of the way that we form our own unique uh, like approach to life. Our, our unique mm -hmm. uh, personalities uh, is how we uh, sort of block certain things and, and allow other things through. That's sort of the sense. I'm not sure that I'm saying Confederation philosophy word for word, but over 20 years of reading through this stuff, that's the sense that I get is that these are kind of the, uh, the grand central stations for the basic uh, ways that energy flows in this universe. And our participation in that flow of energy is through this system. And of course, it's not just um, along the spine going up from uh, the root to the crown. Uh, there are also other energy centers, other like secondary and tertiary nodes that are all throughout our body um, that also relate with this. So it's not just mm. right up your spine. It's all throughout your body. Um, and, yeah, it's just a way of understanding uh, experience as, a, as an energetic phenomenon. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. A thought that came to mind is when Hatan states or any entity of the Confederation states that, boy, you guys are weird with your wanting to name everything. And they say, we just look at someone and we can see their vibration and, you know, we just know what that entity or who that entity is. But it makes me, it makes me think if you think of um, – if you think of your energy centers as light, and if you kind of conceptualize them as filters, 
you know, I don't know if any of you guys did the experiment in elementary or middle school where you take a f- flashlights and you put colored screens on them and then you mix the green light with the red light and it creates a different, you know, light color. It, you know, I wonder if maybe that's kind of how it works where you can see that energy moving through someone um, and the different way that they're, that energy is getting filtered through the various, you know, energy centers or the various chakras. Maybe that produces a very unique vibration you know and you're just using the same seven color mix of colors it's kind of like a every every instrument you hear every single note you hear you can recognize if it's a piano or a guitar or a horn even though it's using every sound you hear is just a collection of uh, a certain uh, uh, set of harmonics and, and, you know, like a, a, what's called a sound envelope, you know, the quickness of the sound attack and how, how does it decay? But it's, it's all the same. It's all just, you know, air vibrating. It's just vibrating in different proportions that you're able to pick out what that instrument is. And uh, wouldn't it be kind of neat if, if a part of the veil dropping as we move forth or to this uh, fourth density, that we are able to start to feel that or see that in another person, the way that they're vibrating and the kind of that aggregate color that they're putting off. That would be, that would be very cool. Yeah. You're talking about um, like being certain about the experience that we already have, but we can't put our finger on it. Like why yes. people might like, you know, creep us out when we meet them or they might, we might just feel like an instant connection. Like a lot of that is all that the Confederation is offering us is this energetic model for how to understand these things, not to replace the understanding that we've already uh, arrived at, but to augment it so that we can see more nuance in it. And we can, you know, I'll use this word that I use all the time. It's more workable. If you have this way of understanding Mm -hmm. the network of energy and the way things relate to each other, then you can work with that and you can use it as a tool for, you know, visualization, uh, if you start to, if you have like a certain uh, issue in your life and you can narrow down what energy centers might be involved in that, now you can work on those energy centers, not just emotionally, not just intellectually, but also in a manner of speaking, physically. You can tie your experience of being an embodied entity uh, to, uh, the sensations of your body and the issues in your life. And it can all be part of one unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's start, let's start combing through some of these. Um, let's begin with level one, the red ray. And a part of me ties this into Maslow's pyramid of the hierarchy of needs, you know, where that base level of the pyramid is, what is it, food and shelter? You know, it's the absolute necessities for life that you can't move on until you can establish those necessities. Well, the red ray is the, what, the, how would you call it? The pure requirements for existence for being nature red in tooth and claw nature it is it is the it is the fundamental physical uh uh material nature of us Hmm. it's about survival it's about reproduction um and 
There is a sense, uh, those of Ross say that you cannot make a one-to-one mapping between the lessons involved in each of the densities of the octave mm-hmm. and each of the functions or particular areas of interest of each of the energy centers, but there is some sort of vague correlation. So if we look at uh, first density as a density in which uh, you know you are just trying to achieve awareness, that's your big lesson in first density is getting to the point where you're even aware of anything. And you can think of uh, when those of Ra talk about the different bodies that we have and they speak of the red ray body as kind of like you as a collection of chemicals and elements mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like your basic ability to maintain co- cohesion as an entity rather than just a dissolute, you know, thing. That is the red ray. It, it, it so when we talk about these uh, energy centers and 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 rays, when 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 I say red ray, I mean the red ray energy center, right? This mm-hmm. is all. It's trying to understand experience as at these different levels. So when I say the red ray energy body or or, or something like that, I'm just talking about the body understood at this level. There's there's seven of them, and I'm trying to talk about one of them. Mm-hmm. That's all that I mean by that. I'm not trying to like obfuscate or <laughs> hand wave or anything. Uh, but at that level, it's really about uh, our love of life, that very visceral, vital need that we all have to be fully engaged in our life. Uh, so try to think of a feeling that you have that combines all of these concerns together, right? Like what what is common amongst all these things? That vibration that maybe you can't put a finger on, but you can feel it when we talk about it, like the, the sense that connects all these subjects together. I consider that to be red ray. And I might be mm-hmm. wrong, so you need to investigate this stuff for yourself. Just trying to get you started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me. Red Ray is just about the pure base survival, you know, all of those call it reptilian brain, maybe not on the, on, not on the aggressive defensive stance, but as far as the, you know, like the caveman must get food, like must hunt for food, you know, must build shelter, find a cave. It's just the base I need to, I need to be, I need to be. And, you know, a part of that, I know throughout, um, I'm going to reference a lot in this, in this episode today, uh, Carla Ruckert's book, Living the Law of One, uh, 101, The Choice. I think it's a fantastic book and roughly half the book is dedicated to discussing the energy ray centers. But um, she ties in with a lot of the energy centers, the the sexual energy part of uh, each of those centers. But, um, you know, reproduction, just throw that in the mix of red ray. That is a very necessary part of and I mean, it's not um, the emotional side of sex, but the the, re- the pure biological reproductive side that is a part of life. It's a part of the requirement for the propagation of species, right? Food, shelter, reproduction, base level, base level. So when we talk about the red ray uh, and how it is this kind of like visceral, animalistic, vital, uh, uh, natural thing we're not saying that every time that you experience in red ray that you're some sort of caveman 
I'm referring to uh, the resonances from lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes of of going uh, through the process of spiritual evolution and how these different experiences kind of sort themselves into different aspects of feeling quality that we don't even have like really good words for. But if they are looked at as kind of a feeling tone, uh, as something that's more of a vibration or a harmonic phenomenon, uh, now we can kind of have a model for talking about them in a more uh, full-fledged way hmm. that doesn't require us to, uh, I don't know, that doesn't, that, that, that gives us uh, like a paint to paint with rather than having to get everything very, very, very uh, conscious and clear. Uh, that That's really what it is. It's, um, uh, we're not talking about psychology per se, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is all the stuff that you can like, you know, test and 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 reproduce the results of psychological experiments. And uh, what can we actually reproducibly and provably say about the psyche? We're getting into areas where it's very, very murky. It deals uh, a lot with the unconscious. And therefore, we need a way of relating to it that doesn't require us to know everything. And these different uh, these different energy centers give us uh, different things to sort of like grab onto, uh, so we can start to have a relation to our lives and our realities um, that doesn't have to go through this intellectual filter all the time. Right? That's a good way of putting it. That this just gives us something to hold on to, you know, just something to. Again, the way I put it is it's things that you already know become just a little bit more real and tangible when you articulate it. And, you know, the uh, somewhat of a tangent, but the movie Arrival, when the aliens, aliens land on Earth and um, they got to figure out how to talk to the aliens. You know, one of the concepts, one of the themes of that movie is just the power of language. And, and I think it's even said verbatim in the movie, um, at least it's brought up. That, you know, a different vocabulary or a different language kind of gives you access to different ideas um, because that's how we translate our thoughts into something that is a bit more real. So, yeah, hopefully this vocabulary, hopefully these ideas just provide something to hold on to a little bit, you know. Yes. And so if you can feel the unity between uh, starving and needing to eat. And uh, not wanting to go to your job in the morning because you just hate life, right? And you're just completely depressed because your life is not what you want and you don't have any will to live it anymore. These are two aspects of Red Ray that it's that it's that Elan uh, Vital, right? It's that uh, mm. it's that energy of life that uh, is so basic and like when you exercise, right? When you really tire yourself out and you feel your body firing and like uh, everything working, like that's red ray. It's this visceral energy that's at the root of our manifest uh, existence in this uh, in in this world that we participate in. Yeah, uh, you know, great, great point. I've even got a little paragraph here that was channeled on September twenty second, nineteen eighty five, by an entity going by. Lalima, and this is, I, I know, right? Lalima, that's an L slash L E E M A for, you know, anyway. Um, Lalima is talking about Red Ray and talking about despair. 
and Lalima states, When an entity is in possession of mental despair and has not moved from that dynamic into a productive mode of thinking, analyzing, feeling and active, and feeling and acting, that despair becomes incorporated within the body complex. Thence comes disease and ultimately death. Therefore, the wages of continued despair are the death of the body. And Carla, again in her book, commenting upon this paragraph, she writes the following. When our adrenaline reaction is only induced by truly life-threatening emergencies, we are normally at rest in terms of our red ray survival instincts, and our red ray remains open. However, in the increasingly pressurized first world culture of which we are a part, that adrenaline reaction can become chronically half-triggered by stress so that we are close to the fight-or-flight response on a daily basis. This is exhausting to our energy bodies and tends, to gradu tends gradually to constrict the red ray. It wears down the spirit and induces a chronic, habitual state of mild depression, which insidiously robs us of our joy. When we do not wish to be here on earth, we contract around our discontent. That contraction squeezes the energy pipeline at the red ray level, sometimes to the point of complete blockage. She finishes up. The French have a phrase which is particular, particularly apt for describing the sheer, exuberant love of life. Elan vital, or vital energy. When we love and enjoy our lives, our vital energy soars. The love light of the Creator flows freely through the person who is enjoying his life. And I love that in this paragraph, she, she mentions the exact words, Jeremy, that you just said. Again, I, I think that psychic connection is coming through a little bit stronger today. Oh, where do you think I got <laughs> it from? Come on. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so... I think this is um, this is interesting that tying this into the red ray, <clears throat> when she mentions when you have adrenaline, imagine you're on a hike and you see a bear, <laughs> and you get you get a pop of adrenaline. That's that's red ray energy. You're experiencing the red ray, fight or flight, survival. You're not going to fight a. I hope you don't fight a bear. Um, you're probably going to lose. Um, that is that is red ray energy, right? And that is healthy red ray energy, I it point is. out too, because that, yes, it is. that instinct is very, very important. And it is your uh, adrenaline system uh, acting the way that it is exactly supposed to. Uh, the way that Carla put that is, is very apt, I think, because we often, uh, you, we, <clears throat> in third density, as more uh, abstracted. Uh, entities who aren't so on the one hand connected to the creator like animals and plants are, but on the other hand, uh, only have that to go on, right? They only have that to go on. We have this whole like mind that we abuse and twist in knots. Um, it's interesting to see how society has evolved to trigger these 
you know, uh, primitive instincts in us. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's used as a means of control. I mean, sex is used the same way. Um, so it's important as we get to understand ourselves and understand ourselves through this uh, uh, seven-part system uh, that we start to see that all issues can probably hit on a couple of different levels. And it's not about saying, well, that's a red ray issue or that's a blue ray issue. It's about saying, how is this, how is red ray uh, working in this issue? How is orange ray, you know, and trying to see that we can untangle the threads of our emotions in our lives by working on this more basic level. Uh, The other thing that I would say is uh, a red ray blockage, like she said, is very, very uh, serious. Uh, because these, there is a sequence to the flow of energy through our systems. And when it is blocked at a lower level, that energy is not available at a higher level. You can't get it back until you do, until you unblock that center. So it's important to understand that not only that, but like many times the way that we, uh, take in reality uh, the way it discloses itself to our minds is sometimes in this very sequential way. Like we understand it, first of all, as a survival issue. Right. And then we might understand it as like, well, how where do I fit in on this? Uh, and then where do I fit in with society on this? And then, you know, just but yeah. it's like we go through these different levels. Um, so I thought you bringing up Maslow's hierarchy at the beginning was extremely uh, appropriate because it does seem like. We cannot, uh, we can't really uh, get past any of these issues uh, until. Sorry, I'm completely thrown off. It's okay. My <laughs> wife came in. She gave me the baby monitor so I can. That's good. <laughs> check out my son. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I was trying, but man, I got completely thrown off. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say that. Uh, you kept you kept riffing on that, which is fantastic. But about halfway through, you mentioned something that you know it made me think that there is when you're again you're on a hike and you run into a bear. That adrenaline you feel, that red rate, that red ray energy. If we're going to focus on this, that that is healthy, as you said, that is healthy. But as Carla writes in our first world culture, we have created a culture particular, some careers, some jobs, I mean, whatever it is, we have created some experiences that essentially has that kind of adrenaline running as a part of your normal day. Mm -hmm. And if we think that uh, running into a bear, at least the energy, the principle level, the energy you feel when you run into that fight or flight response is healthy. If you've got that running uh, eight hours out of every single day, that is not healthy. Something happens inside yourself because it's not healthy where you start to constrict or close off the flow of that energy. Uh, Maybe you become numb to it. Maybe, you know, I think when they're talking about energy blockages, and this is still something I'm trying to sort through, but there, you know, you constantly hear, oh, you're blocked at the red ray or you need to unblock this. And I'm still trying to sort through it. But what resonates with me is that if you have a high stress job where you constantly do have that fight or flight response going on, that you're blocking maybe as a compensation, a compensatory mechanism, you're blocking that natural flow of energy because it's just not healthy for your body to deal with 
24-7. You might be blocking it. It's hard to say, right? I guess but you're right. You, I guess you you're right. might also be overstimulating it, which is also mm. a possibility mm. here. And this kind of works against the metaphor we use the filtering because it's like you can turn the filter to negative, <laughs> like yeah. like you're getting even more than you're putting in. And that yeah. doesn't really how filters work. So I will say the overstimulation thing is not something that I understand as thoroughly as I wish I did. My uh, The only thing is that like to understand that our balance with these energy centers is largely about them relative to each other energy center and not mm. simply about the energy center in some sort of isolated, uh, uh, putting it under a microscope analysis. And that's important yeah. uh, to understand that we are, we're, we're teasing these parts of the system apart to better understand these unique feeling tones, these unique elements of the creator's expendable energy. But they're impossible to truly understand that way. They can be only be felt as part of a system because everything that we experience, we experience through all seven chakras, not just one. All right. So Carla brings out another part uh, or brings up another point with the red ray in this book. And again, she covers this. She covers the, the sexual and the sexual energy aspect. And, and I think all of the energy rays, and I don't I didn't write down all of the quotes for the for the orange and the yellow, but I did like the one she wrote for for the red ray here, and I'd like to read it. Um, this is actually a a quote. I think this is Kuo, April 9th, 1995. The session, or in the session, Kuo states, the amount of sheer energy vibrating betwixt earth and physical vehicle is astounding. Yet it cannot be acknowledged and used nearly so well by one who is working upon upper chakras, unless that entity has the patience, the humility, and the determination to come into contact with that earth, that soil of self. For the sexual identity is as powerful and as unique a part of the individual spirit or soul as any other incarnationally expressed energy. This is the energy which creates a healthy mind or a healthy body, the energy that gives a primal, quote-unquote, yes to being. This is, moreover, as are all energies, a sacred energy, and the sexual intercourse is, as the Eucharist of Red Ray, the holy communion of the body. This union recapitulates the oneness of earth and sky, the oneness of male and female, and the oneness of reaching and waiting. That's a great, that's a great paragraph. Absolutely. Very poetically puts the power that, um, the power of, uh, of sexuality, you know, in that perspective. And the uh, when they say the power of reaching and waiting, uh, they're referring to the archetypal understanding of male and female uh, that gets explored in book four through the uh, the the uh, exploration of the tarot. Mm. Which again, we will have to put that in a on the episode docket because that is again my Achilles heel. But I really want to dive into that. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a. Uh, mention in uh, Raw Session 34 
that talks about uh, the red ray is seen as that which being activated is the basis for all that occurs in vibratory levels. Uh, it is kind mm. of like that foundational ray. And that's why I said it's so it's so uh, problematic when it's when it's blocked, uh, because that is such a no to life. Right. Like she like, yeah. like what's being said earlier. Yeah. So if you have, we're going to move on to the orange ray, I think, but if one, one thing I like about this system of thought, as far as the energy centers, the blockages is that in my mind, I have to, if I'm ever having a problem, I can use this template to identify, you know, which energy center this problem is happening in. And when I notice a problem there, Say it's in yellow ray, which we'll get to. If I'm having a problem in yellow ray, the first thing I will do is check my orange ray <laughs> and check my red ray to make sure those are in order. Because as, as, as we'll see, it's pretty hard to do, I think, anything in green ray, love of heart chakra, anything in green ray energy of love and understanding. If you've got problems in the in the orange ray or god forbid the red ray if you again like maslow's pyramid you can't you're not going to get anywhere near self-actualization if you don't have your food and shelter handled and i know that there's not a complete corollary between this system but it's you know it's it's a good there's some connections there so any jeremy do you have anything you would like to add about the red ray before i keep trying to plow us forward here no, no, no. I think it's, I think it's time to go forward. Um, but yeah, that was well said. All right. So the root chakra or the red ray energy center is level one. And I think, um, the confederation states, it's kind of like what they would call a, a readout chakra. It's, um, you know, you can measure it and kind of get a sense of where you're at. It's not something I don't think you can really build upon or, or, uh, refine as you would the orange ray or the yellow ray or the green ray. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Am I misunderstanding that? Or? I can't, I can't decide if you are or not. <laughs> it's, I, I, I know what you, I think I know what you're referring to, which is that it's such a foundational ray and it is tied in many cases to the violet ray, which is very much a readout, like you don't manipulate the violet ray through any thought or work. It mm. simply is as it will be as the result of the previous six chakras determine. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> red ray does seem like it's. Uh, I don't know if you work with it the same way that you do the other chakras, but you could say that about any chakra. I don't. I don't know. I. I I'm not sure. I. Mm. I for a long time thought that you couldn't be blocked in red ray. So I understand mm. where you're coming from from this. Mm. With, with this, um, I don't know to tell uh, but you. <laughs> you know what? But you know what? Where I have heard multiple times the violet, the crown chakra is, dare I say, literally, it's hard to say this literally, but literally a readout, yeah. you know, a readout of your other energy centers. Um, I only mention that because in the book, in, in Living the Law of One, they also state that the red ray is something similar to the violet ray where it is a readout. However, the concepts we just discussed with adrenaline and flight or flight, flight, you know, creating blockages if you're experiencing it too much, if you start to close up, close that off, 
it then follows that it is not necessarily a readout. Or if it is a readout, you can still have blockages in that entry point. But, you know, but you can't, I can't, I do think of it as the entry point, you know, like energy, that's where energy from the earth, from the universe comes into your body is through that root ray. It, it is fundamental in at least one sense that you can't block it anywhere before a red ray. That's, That's your first stab at the at the puppy, right? Like you can't you can't get anything before that. So in yeah. a way, it is kind of like a always on kind of thing. Mm. In the same way mm. that violet mm. ray is kind of an always sure. on kind of thing. It's just um, that, and I think that for most people, uh, especially in the first world, like we're not dealing with this energy very often. I think other in in more. Um, fraught situations that people can find themselves in you would see this a lot more oh yeah yeah well if if the root ray red ray energy if the root chakra is number one then the sacral chakra or the orange ray is number two and the orange ray has to do with the self and Ra states on february 22nd 1981 the orange ray is that influence or vibratory pattern wherein the mind-body-spirit complex expresses its power on an individual basis. The orange ray is that influence or vibratory pattern wherein the mind-body-spirit complex expresses its power on an individual basis. And Carla follows up with that uh, with that session with a quick note in her book again the orange ray energy the orange ray energies which we experience in our daily lives are all about loving ourselves and loving others so whereas root ray root chakra i keep mixing up this word root chakra red ray energy is about pure being and experience pure survival yeah. the orange ray kicks it up a notch it's not just about survival and experience and and being it's about me where do i fit in with that survival how do i feel about myself you know it's i it's also interesting that i didn't i didn't make this connection until reading this book and perhaps well it, it's not just about me but it's how i love others or how do i feel about others perhaps because they're we're all one they're other selves as you know ll research likes to put it other selves um so when it comes down to it it's really about individuality and individuals so uh what can you what can you add to that or where's your mind going Jeremy? uh orange ray and yellow ray are the two that i was most dreading having to describe because i think that the distinction between them can be very difficult for me to find. Uh, I agree. The sense that I get of orange ray is that it is dealing more on the one-to-one -one level. Uh, mm. where it, So uh, it's you in interaction with one other person. That, that character of experience where you as an ego are occurring to the other person as an ego as an ego, not as a member of of a, of a broader of a broader organization or of some affiliation, but just as a self. Hmm. And it's yeah. also about how you feel about yourself as a self too. Oh yes, and this is you know what I I'm going to ignore for a minute, just because I I haven't sorted through it. But orange ray for me is truly about me. 
I know they say how you feel about others, but when it comes down to it, it's like there's we're going to get to it in yellow ray where others starting to come into play. But but just the way I see it is 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 how do, do I love myself? How do I feel about myself? Am I proud of myself? My work, you know, it's it all comes about to it all comes down to me. Right. And all, all I would say is that in, in coming up with that concept of yourself, that is that articulated at that personal, intimate level, uh, that also constitutes a way that you present the self in a setting where that level of detail and nuance of yourself can be transmitted. Now, that can't happen you know, in a, like necessarily at work when you're talking to all your workmates, it can't necessarily happen in society generally. In fact, we think of the concept of strangers as perhaps those who don't know us on that orange ray level as a self, as a unique self on that, you know, but, but on orange ray, I think that's the kind of self that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? It's so hard to find words for it's tough. It's it's almost like, you know, I was just thinking because just to give you a little look ahead, listeners, the yellow ray is, at least according to Carla in this particular, in her book, the, the yellow ray is not just about your relationship with larger groups, but more almost contractual relationships, mm-hmm. like your relationship with your spouse and, you know, just those closer relationships. So I wonder if the orange ray interaction with others is just a stepped down yeah. version of that. That's the where, sense that I'm getting. Yeah. It's not, maybe it's your interaction and your acceptance of others without necessarily the deep relationship and the catalyst that comes with that relationship with others. Yeah, one way of saying it might be that if Yellow Ray is about where we fit in with the group entity, Orange Ray is about where we fit in with the individual entity, right? Mm. And that mm-hmm. can have an interpersonal dynamic to it, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Because who you think you are on an intimate level is very important to that one person that you choose to uh, express that to at a given time. Mm-hmm. Um And that's a completely different uh, energy than when you are walking down the street in a crowded city. Who is that person that you're expressing? That's a different person, right? Slightly different. It is. Um, Just going back a quick minute about me talking about if I'm having an issue and then I'll do a quick check on my checklist of, you know, do I need to back up a couple steps on the energy centers? Carla writes about the... uh, the red ray checklist before moving on to orange. And she writes, we are able to clear the red ray chakra quickly and simply as we acknowledge our sexuality and affirm the appropriateness of our instinct for survival. While the red ray center needs to be checked daily to be sure that the energy body is open, still the checklist is short. Am I okay with being a sexual being? Am I okay with living on planet Earth? If yes and yes, then we can move on. So it sounds like if we were to take just your daily experience and you move one level past the absolute base, then you're into the orange ray. That seems about right. 
Um, Quo, we're talking about, well, I mean, orange rays. <laughs> again, it's tough, but again, I just liken it to your, you know, your relationship with yourself, your experience of yourself. What's it's on only, your mind? it's only tough because we have to like talk about it on a podcast. Like if I could just beam this idea to y'all, uh, telepathically, yeah. it'd be a lot easier. Um, but I have to say that in being forced to discuss this stuff, I have a, I have a renewed appreciation for orange Ray. I do think it has something to do with the contrast between who are we in the group entity versus who are we when we're just us and mm -hmm. when we're just us in this intimate personal way, there's a kind of relationship that we can have with the other that isn't of that isn't the same relationship as the yellow ray. And I don't think I appreciated that way of expressing the vibration until talking with you. So listeners, I feel very, very out of my depth in a lot of ways talking about this because I just think it has so much uh, feeling quality to it. And I'm not sure that, you know, I'm the most in touch with my feelings of everybody out there, but um, I I hope that you can at least appreciate that in talking with you about this. I'm I'm learning more about it myself. When I so before I I'm going to read a quote here from Kuo about Orange Ray and others, but just to try to zero it in on how I view the Orange Ray from day to day is: Am I being true to myself? You know, I guess that's what I would boil it down to is my relationship with me. Am I happy with me? Am I accepting of who I am? Am I truthful and honest about who I am? And, and you know, dealing with other people's opinions of who I am is kind of a separate issue, but at its base level, have I done the work to understand me? And am I honest with myself? And whenever yeah, I'll tell you a story. Here comes a story, friends. <laughs> Get my popcorn. When I, I used to work in Boston as a as a personal trainer, and um, there was a company called Blank Label. They're a clothing company that make bespoke clothing, like from scratch clothing for uh, for relatively wealthy. You know, I guess it was higher end, so the target market was affluent individuals. And a part of their marketing strategy was to give was to give personal trainers a few call it coupons for their personal training clients to uh to buy a shirt you know to buy a free a free shirt and um the uh each of us got three of these things you know and uh we were gonna you know keep one and then hand the other two out to some of our our top clients to just try to get brand exposure for the brand um now ryan was not being true to himself and was being a little selfish and like, why don't I just keep two of these? I'll give one of them away and I'll keep two of them. So, and from the get go, I had this niggling feeling. I'm like, Ryan, <laughs> don't be dumb. Why are you doing this? You know, that's silly. You're, you know, do what was asked. Anyway, the long story short is I got, I ended up getting two, you know, I got two shirts, ordered two shirts, but of course they're, you know, the company was tech savvy. They were tracking everything and they're like, Hey, this dude just ordered two and they're using the coupon codes that we handed out to these personal <laughs> trainers. <laughs> so they reached out to me and they're like, um, dude, you know, and it just, that just completed the circuit right there. It just, it just shocked me awake. And I'm like, Ryan, 
come on, dude. You knew from the beginning. You know, that was a moment of clarity that it was like, okay. Again, I go back to last episode. Whenever I feel guilty about something, whenever I feel negative or bad about something, it's often in a way where I'm acting in a way that is either untrue to myself or I'm stepping my toe off of that straight and narrow path, as the Confederation (laughs) would call it. And this was just a perfect example. Selfish me, you know, not being true to myself. And just being selfish. Anyway, I I ended up paying full price for the for these shirts, but it was just a painful lesson of like, okay, dude, don't just don't do that, you know. But there's a difference between uh, great story, but it, there's a difference between feeling guilty because uh, you broke a contract, right? You broke an agreement with someone else, and feeling guilty because you did something you can't stand behind. Well, that's how it started. Well, that's how it started. And in a way, trying to make an orange yellow distinction. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. See what I mean? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like the way that you describe that story communicated to me the orange ray aspect that you were feeling of it. There were other aspects there involved are too, other aspects. but you focused on this one part of it. And this is the kind of thing that we're trying to get at with the energy centers, right? Yes. Is this way of understanding our experience in these kind of flavors or, or, or tones on the, on the scale of life, right? Yes. And it's where we place our attention that we're going to know gets played. Yes. And it's, I think it is a great example of how all these, these are these interactions intertwine and um and yeah this was this was i guess a good example because there is a contractual side of it you know but the base level of it that first part of it was that orange ray center being like hey buddy you're being dishonest with yourself you know and i could feel that and as soon as they caught me you know it then it escalated, you know, and then it's almost a double, think of it as a double whammy because not only do I know I'm being dishonest with myself, they know I'm being dishonest with myself. And that just hits it even harder, you know? So it was a, it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson with actually a very good resolution, which I will not get into, but, uh, it was a, it was a great resolution for me and for those I work with. It was, uh, let, let, let me guess. They made you do a hundred push-ups. <laughs> oh no, it was, it, I, I basically owned it because, you know, the manager of the, of the gym also was alerted and, you know, I, but I took care of it all with the company before I went to the manager. And then I, I, oh, okay. I kind of, I kind of broke down in front of my manager. Cause I was just so, I felt so guilty and it just, it just didn't yeah. feel like me. It was, it was shame. It was just so much shame of like, I can't believe I did that, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on to how the orange ray may uh, <clears throat> deal with others. Kuo states in February 19th, 2003, a key indeed is to see each entity within a relationship as a flower of a, of a unique beauty, which is better beheld than trimmed or plucked. And Carla comments on Quo's statement here, the orange ray energy center is not about abstractions. It is not about loving humankind. The orange ray chakra works strictly with the way we use our personal power and expend our vital energy in our relationships with ourselves and with other people one at a time. The belly chakra is all about personal relationships. 
Okay. Okay. I could see that. I do like Quo's note, you know. It's better to see, uh, let's see, uh, a key indeed is to see each entity within a relationship as a flower of unique beauty, which is better beheld than trimmed or plucked. And I can see that as, you know, do you see yourself as another unique flower or another flower with unique beauty? And better to be held than trimmed or plucked. I love that. It's just, hey, appreciate it for where it's at and what it is and what it's doing. There's no need to pull out your pocket knife and hack it off and take it home and watch it for a week and let it die. Just let it and, you know, take it for its beauty where it's at. Can you, you know, can you accept it at its, uh, its face value? Well, it's a, it's a stark uh, metaphor for the filtering that we were talking about. How so? Uh, I, I, that's how I interpreted, uh, what she, what, what Kua was saying, uh, was that, uh, to appreciate, uh, the energy rather than, uh, turning into something that's more desirable for mm. you, right? Ooh. Taking the whole experience rather than saying, I'll take this part of it, but that, yeah. no, you got, you're staying behind. That's a, yes, it's a good point. That's a good point. That might have misunderstood. No, but, I mean, it's what, is it, what does it mean for you? And as the Confederation all, always says, you know, use your discernment, listeners. You know, take what, take what resonates, forget the rest, which you will forget the rest because you forget things you don't care about. <laughs> so, so exactly. yeah, take, take what goes. But, you know, I'd say just I don't want to try to be too um, – I don't want to try to be forcefully poetic, but, you know, you know – <laughs> You know, I'm growing roses out, out in the front yard and I love roses. I love the way they smell. I love the way they look. They're just so beautiful in the sunlight, especially those deep red ones. And you know what? Roses have thorns and I love the juxtaposition of that beauty and that defense, <laughs> you know, roses have thorns and it's like, it's, it's a perfect being in and of itself, or at least I can accept it for what it is, or perhaps I can try to genetically engineer thornless roses. You know, you can try to work your way around it, or you can just accept it for what it is. And I see that nice corollary between those personal relationships. Um, you can you can build a relationship with someone and constantly constantly try to change them into what you want them to be. But what kind of relationship is that, is that going to be? The other person understands your intention, you know, whether it's, it's uh, explicit or not. But those relationships where you have a, again, speaking from my own experience, the relationships I have when I am just accepting of the other person for who they are, and there's no judgment there, there's no intent to enhance or change or influence those relationships are much more real. They're deeper than any other relationships I had in the past. And most of my relationships these days are like that because I just, I'm just, you know, that's just how I take people. But what's funny, what is funny is that when you have those relationships where you accept others just as they are, as that unique, beautiful flower, the opportunity for influence is more natural and more powerful in those in those relationships than they are when you're trying to force it. Um, it maybe you know it's that goes back to planting the seed. You just be be pure, be who you are, and uh, 
and you might be able to plant that seed of love and understanding in the other person, you know, but you can't do it through force. Can't do it through force. It's very, very unreliable through force. Although, you know, there are some people who are good at it, you know, they are. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I like that. Uh, uh, once you appreciate someone, the, the situation becomes much more cooperative and a lot less like who's going to win this. Right. Mm, good. That's a good way of putting it. Um, there is one little section in, in her book, living the law of one <clears throat> about orange ray distractions. And she references a raw quote here from February 27th, 1981. Ra states, in a negative sense, many of the gadgets among your peoples, that is, what you call your communication devices and other distractions, such as the less competitive games, may be seen to have the distortion of keeping the mind-body-spirit complex inactivated, so that yellow and orange ray activity is much weakened, thus carefully decreasing the possibility of eventual green ray activation. And Carla notes this passage. She writes, Orange ray relationships are a substantial part of the grist for our metaphysical mills. It stands to reason that our mill grinds finely, and what gets chewed up in their work disturbs our feelings. For that reason, it is often uncomfortable to work within a relationship, either with ourselves or with another person. We do well with our Sunday manners on a first date or talking with a stranger. We can even keep the fiction of the role-playing going for several dates. Eventually, however, both parties in the relationship must get real and express themselves honestly and... Catalyst ensues. And I love that. I love that because it's so true. And I, oh, it's so true. I mean, I don't know how many relationships you've been in with others where you start off and you're kind of playing a role, you know. And sooner or later, you just, you can't play that role anymore because you're, you're being dishonest to yourself, you know, or... Or I can remember high school relationships where, I mean, you're in high school, right? And if you're in a long-term relationship when you're in high school, you both are going to grow and develop. And if you soon, I soon realized, you know, being 20 years old and in a relationship, I was acting. I had to play the role of who I was when I was 17, even though I felt like a different person. But my girlfriend was, she loved the guy that was 17, you know, that when we had met and that causes problems, you know? So yeah. anyway, I, I love this. I absolutely love this, especially when she says, uh, catalyst ensues and that's yes. I, I do think it's interesting. Um, when they talk about, uh, the distraction quality that orange Ray can have, I think, um, I think she might be talking about a lot of gamers, <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. like uh it is the way that like your yourself your personality can be explored and articulated through your interaction with games devices uh different things that aren't like other selves that because they're human like you they reflect you in that way right 
Yes. We get our reflection from other non-human things in a completely different way. And that's an exploration too. And if we get too attached to that, then it, then it stands to reason that uh, we're not looking at the reflection of ourselves mm. that most reflects what we want to work on, right? Yeah. Like what we want to work on is the self that's reflected in my brother's eyes and my sister's eyes, uh, not what um, Call of Duty's eyes says, right? Yes. I would say from a, from a man's perspective, from, from my perspective, um, the relationships with women have always been the most catalytic because I don't know, I don't know how women relate to this, but for men, or at least for me, um, rejection is always, it's like the biggest fear a man has is rejection or not the biggest, but it's, it's huge. It's a huge power part of our lives. And in our culture, at least historically, it's kind of the stereotypically, it's the man, it's the man's job to try to initiate a relationship with a woman. You got to go hit on a woman. You got to get her number and, you know, and a woman saying no is just scary <laughs> because it makes you think, oh, am I, am I not worthy? You know, there's so much catalyst that goes on with getting out and interacting with people and putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable to someone else's judgment. And I think today I'm going to sound like an old man, old man talking about kids these days and their social media <laughs> and, you know, their Tinder where you can swipe left or I don't know which way you swipe to figure out if someone else likes you or, you know, if, you know, but the whole process, um, is much different and the, the catalyst available to get to that end point of like, you know, long-term relationship. It just, it feels like the nature of that has changed. Um, perhaps due to the fact that there's so much fear and there's so much catalyst involved with the old school method. Um, oh yeah. He, yeah. Simon, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's a, it's an interview. Simon Sinek does a, a great interview where he talks about the, uh, the age of social media and today's, uh, you know, millennials, the millennial generation, um, I'll see if I can uh, link it in the show notes, but it's absolutely fantastic. He puts it so well, just that, just how things have changed a little bit and how kids these days don't necessarily need to go through those crazy, awkward phases that used to be standard for the older generation where we didn't have these new, uh, these new communication tools. Um, anyway, I'm kind of digressing here, but, but it just when I'm, when we're talking about gamers, for exact for example, and especially young young boys and young men even um, that can get locked into those types of relationships because you can you can build relationships with others through that you know through that meeting point, but the the nature of the relationship is a bit different and mm -hmm. might be a little less stressful, and but I would I would argue not as um, rewarding. You know, if you, if you don't have to put in all that, that awkwardness and work, you know, to, to get face to face with other people. But, um, yeah, it's almost like how much of an orange ray aspect does any of these relationships have? They can have more or less. And like, you can imagine like you're getting in the call of duty at the beginning, you're just playing one-on-one -on -one. that's, you know, not going to have a lot of interpersonal orange ray stuff in it. It's going to be more personal orange ray stuff. Oh, I didn't beat that level. Mm. Oh, I didn't do it. You know, you're, you're 
either beating yourself up or congratulating yourself. And then you start getting other people involved. And then the orange ray aspect changes and expands. And um, yeah, I just think it's important to uh, recognize that these energy rays go through everything. And it's just about where we're putting our attention. And we're putting our attention at a place ostensibly because we think there's something to be gained from blocking out the rest of the rays and just looking at that one aspect. But the point isn't to stay on that aspect or worse yet to pigeonhole the entire experience is just being about that one aspect. The point is to eventually zoom out once you have the understanding that you need of that particular uh, uh, ray in the spectrum and look at the whole, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep saying that too. That's fine. Just reminding yeah. us to like zoom out because it needs to be understood as a system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good check-in. Good checkpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move on. Let's move on to yellow. But let a quick quick recap. Red is level one, basic experience, basic survival, you know, just the need to be. The vitality of life, both in its ability you know, to <laughs> make yeah. the heartbeat and the ability to uh, you know, get your blood going, right? Yes. Orange Ray. I'm still going to chalk it up to your relationship with yourself in the understanding of yourself. And you can extend it out to your, uh, your relationships with, with others, perhaps on a one-to-one basis because yellow Ray gets into the larger relationships at least as I first understand it, understood it, it was your relationship with groups and your position in groups. And, um, it was, but it was around groups. Um, Carla states that the yellow ray chakra deals with formalized relationships, such as our birth families, our marriages and our jobs. She also notes, certainly there are ideal loving birth families, marriage families, and work families, but our particular families may not be among them. Just noting that uh, this can be the yellow ray family dynamic can certainly be challenging. Yeah. Um, Kuo states, February 19th, 2003, Kuo states, in the yellow ray chakra, and I think this is pertaining to the yellow ray in family in particular, in the yellow ray chakra, the culture within which you now dwell is likely to bring to the conscious attention of each the overstimulations and desires for avoidance which are part of the relationships of the self, such as the family group of birth, the family group created by marriage, the group created by working for a living, and so forth. So we we are dealing with groups here. Quo continues, The value of this system of learning, which is bound up in the concept of family, clan, and other groups, cannot be overestimated. It is in this direction that progressive concepts may open new ways of seeing that indeed strengthen and further open the yellow ray chakra in such a way as to improve the orientation towards the green ray energy center. And that tremendous shift of energy, which may come as the heart opens. So I think this is a, this is the door essentially to the green ray. 
which is love. And again, from my perspective, we could talk about the higher levels and we should and we will, but the focal point for me is that green ray, that love, that, you know, the the fourth density, love and understanding. And it feels like yellow ray is the door. So if we've got our red ray covered, we're, we're existing, we're surviving, we're, we're procreating, we are being, then we move on to the orange ray. I am me. I love me. I'm okay with me. And I have other individuals that I also appreciate and love. Next level is the group. How's my family? How are my friends? How's my work? How is my church group? Whatever it is, it's that you're just taking that self and you're expanding it. And if and when you can let that energy flow freely through the yellow ray, um, uh, solar plexus sh- chakra, then you're well onto your way to the green ray. Um, what are your thoughts so far, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, for me, it's very instructive to ponder the distinction between the relationship that one has with oneself and those close people with whom one shares what you consider to be the true intimate self and that uh, self that is out and about in the world where it is not necessarily it is not necessary to have an intimate understanding of me uh, to relate to. For example, you know, going up to the newsstand and buying a magazine or candy bar, right? Like the relationship that we have is one of self meeting self It's creator meeting creator, but it just doesn't have uh, all of the overlays of uh, all of the detail that is me, even the, you know, even setting aside the subconscious and unknown stuff, just the stuff that I consider to be most privately and intimately me in the world at large, I am more uh, projecting a useful avatar for the other players to see, right? They don't need to get mm-hmm. uh, completely, they only need to understand every single thing about my personality and where I come from. It's more that social personality that I've invented uh, as a user interface for the world, right? This is my way mm. that I connect into the matrix of the world. When I am dealing with myself in the dark of night, or I'm connecting to a close one where I can show those things that I would otherwise hide. Um, that's a completely different vibration. And I am only uh, hanging on this because I am struck by the the, the challenge of trying to sink. I, I can describe these things all day. I've described them over and over on this podcast. Hmm. But the feeling, the ability to sense this distinction and to sense it in your body is a completely different thing. And I really do feel like this conversation is helping me recognize how that how that oil and vinegar kind of separates, right? Like, like just where that distinct because they can get mixed up. And they often do get mixed up. And think in fact, I think a lot of the conflicts I've had in my life are really um about the orange ray and the yellow ray being tangled up. They're about some sense of propriety that 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 is that is detected, but it's also about a personal betrayal, right? And they, these things get 
all tangled up so that you can't tell what's yellow ray and what's red or orange ray. Not because there's something important in and of itself of distinguishing these rays, but so you can untangle the emotions behind them, relate to them in a way that gets the messages that they're supposed to convey, right? The imbalances that they're pointing to and work with them. That's the only reason why any of this matters is so that these experiences can present themselves in a way that then we can sort of uh, 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 grab the reins and take control and start to do the work that un- that that balances these uh, energy centers relative to each other and that uh, works with whatever blockages and overstimulations we discover in our meditation, in our scanning, in our clearing of our of our centers. Uh so that we can like work with those things on an energetic level and not simply be working with them kind of like at a remove of not understanding that they're energetic at all and just having to kind of like muddle our way through. Mm-hmm. And we're still going to muddle our way through even when we're doing energy work, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a way of uh, uh, maybe giving ourselves license to think more creatively and laterally about these things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying instead to, of like meeting them head on and then trying to tackle them as problems, if we can see seven aspects of them and understand some way of relating to them uh, that untangles these aspects, uh, then we have something a little bit more uh, detailed to work with. Yeah. I'm trying to tie all this back into what I understand is the main purpose for our current cycle of experience as the confederation would call it. And that is to learn the lessons of love Mm -hmm. and moving this into the yellow ray energy center is good. I think good to think about, because if, if you can kind of sort through this, I think it's a bit easier to take this down a level to the orange ray, but think if we're dealing with groups here and we're dealing, you can separate groups into family and non-family and You don't, like they say, you don't get to pick your family. You get to pick your friends, but you don't get to pick your family. And, but in, in principle, the, the process should be the same. If we're just talking about groups, your family is a group. The people at your job is a group. Maybe the people at your church is a group. The dynamic is different. You might feel like the stakes are higher, but in principle, you're dealing with, you're dealing with that group. And I think especially with, with a lot of people, family dynamics can be so challenging. Um, and if you can work through that, you can work through anything. But what does it mean to work through it? What does it mean to have an open, to, have, to remove your blockages of the yellow ray? Let me read this really quickly. And then I, then I would like to try to hammer through this because I think if you're trying to find some applicability to these ideas, that's... That's where the rubber meets the road, right? But um, Carla is talking about uh, specifically family relationships. She says, sometimes such relationships can can become toxic. Familiarity can become over-familiarity. We can take each other for granted. We can sometimes descend into enjoying petty grievances and indulging in chronic sniping. Within many families, whether at home, at work, or on the playing field, dynamics develop between the members of a family which include a habitual bullying or manipulation of one family member to another. 
Usually this bullying pattern develops unconsciously. The yellow ray energy center is blocked without our ever intending to lose polarity or fall off the enhanced capital G game board. So she's likening all groups to different families. Maybe you got your biological family and you got your work family, but but um, it is interesting that I mean I think I mean you see this a lot. Um, to me, on. it's the social self. It is Ooh. the self that is for society, mm. and you know the when Carla was first talking about how this relates to the family. I kind of felt like that maybe was against my understanding of the social self because I'm like, well, I'm I'm not the same person to my family that I am to the teller at the bank. But actually, I kind of am to the extent that, you know, when you're growing up with like two brothers, you're pretty much more or less the same personality to those brothers as you are to your friends at school. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, who do you open up to? Who do you really like connect with? your best friend, maybe on occasion, your parents, if you have a really good relationship with them. But like, yeah, that, that, that yellow ray aspect of who you are in the sense that your own, it, it only makes sense in a group, right? That's the part of you that only has existence in the context of a group. And it is most, and it is seen most clearly when those relationships are formal because that gives it that quality of performativeness, right? Like you are out there doing a function. You're not just being, you are, you are in kind of like, you are a cog in the machine in a way. Right. And like, Mm. that's a very uh, limiting dehumanizing way to talk about it. But there's also a sense in which that's true, right? Like we are, we are all part of this, uh, human uh, social machine that has this way of it has a um, a mappable uh, systemic nature to it and um, where we fit in and how we feel about how we fit into that larger endeavor of society and those smaller distillations of society called your job, your family, um, your uh, meditation group, right? Like mm-hmm. all of these different mm-hmm. ways that we are ourselves, not simply because we're a self, but as a uh, feature of being part of other selves involved, right? And I think what we're doing in Yellow Ray is that this is really uh, where we start figuring out what it's like to be in a social memory complex. This is the first point at which we deal with other selves where we have the ability to reflect and have self-awareness. So it's very important. That's, I, that's why I think third density is so vital in the, in the path to the creator of all of the densities. It's the shortest, it's the most intense, because it's here where we figure out how to fully be our full, intimate, un, unvarnished, complete selves, but not just to those people that we trust, we are learning how to how to drop our boundaries to even strangers. Hmm. It is, and become, then that's what's that's what you need in order to be able to open up fully to the thoughts and feelings of everybody else. Uh, that social memory complexes in in, in fourth density will will events. It will it will be 
uh, society taken to its logical conclusion, mm-hmm. which is not <laughs> what we're dealing with now in uh, 2021. Uh, it's something that uh, has a lot more potential to. I think we all in our at this point on planet Earth, I think we all recognize how much better, how much more connected, how much more efficiently and uh, cleanly that we could be doing this human endeavor (laughs) as a group. And I think fourth density is like what we sense as that, that potential that we could be doing. And we just have to get our, each of our individual nodes in that larger social matrix uh, clearer and clearer so that we can fulfill that role and we can, you know, transmit that high voltage. It's a kind of a good visual. You need to get our individual nodes and you know spread out in the in the larger matrix. It's a it's a good one. It's becoming. I guess it's becoming clearer to me that yes, yellow ray is group oriented, group dynamics, where the orange ray is more individual in nature, not just the self, but other individuals, one to one. And because the I think as you've kind of alluded to, the group dynamic is different than the individual dynamic. And I've said this to you before. I love people i love individuals i have issues with people with larger with groups with people um because it's the uh the herd the herd mentality is often destructive you know oh, yeah it's destructive i uh candidly you know i i took a break from from twitter and uh i got back on and realized that I think I always kind of knew this, but politically, my side of the fence, quote unquote, is just as crazy. Looking at it, they're, they they follow the same – they have the same foibles as the other side. Like it's all the same. You know, kind of it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. You're in the same pasture. <laughs> you know, it's one pasture. It's all craziness. Mm-hmm. And it's all group. And it's all getting – it's all, you know, as we spoke before, it's kind of – it's fear. It's just getting – constant clicks and the attention, you know, cause that's what generates more activity and more revenue, whatever it is. Um, but I know that each one, if I were to talk one-on-one with someone on any side of the fence, you know, 99% of the time, you're going to have a great conversation yep. because there's so much individual story. There's so much power and, and just cool anecdotes and things that go along with the individual. Mm-hmm. It's the group. It's the group mindset that I have a problem with that I, I'm still trying to work around. But, you know, maybe it's um, so far the only fix I can find, the only way that I can stay sane in all of this and not get too stressed is just to recognize that groups are made up of individuals and trying to recognize the individual in the group while trying to understand the group dynamic, but just recognize that there are individuals in here and they have their own hopes and fears and dreams and they have everything. They're all, everyone's the same with that same basic red ray, right? The orange ray gets a little muddied. The yellow ray can get crazy, but everyone's got that same base level, you know? I think that's why in disasters, people find that they can suddenly be there for each other in a way that they otherwise can't because it moves down to that red ray level. And on that red ray level, there isn't ideology. There isn't, you know, any concern, but just getting through this, right? Yeah, that's a, it, nothing unites like a common enemy. 
whether that be this Mount St. Helens up here blowing up in 1980, 1981, um, you know, whether it be, you know, the World Trade Center is getting getting blown to pieces nothing isn't that it's sad it's it's inspiring in a way that people can come together it's just unfortunate that we need a an enemy to do so we can't recognize the common humanity in everyone unless we have something to all be negative against (laughs) (laughs) unless we have the catalyst right like we need some outside thing uh uh giving us the experience that then over time and with practice and with unblocking our centers, we can call upon at will. Yeah. But we have to go through that first and we have to learn it. And, you know, in the same way that like you have, you know, red ray can make everything so much simpler. Orange ray can make things simpler, too. If you're having a problem with someone like uh, in your study group or at work and you say, you know, can we just go get a drink and talk about this? And you become a different person at that point. Right. You, and that other person becomes a different person at that point. I'm trying to find examples that tease out where this, where it drops from a C sharp to a C, right? Where where we cross mm. that threshold between these 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 bands of vibration and go from yellow ray to orange ray. Uh, uh, and I do think that with yellow ray, uh, we get into situations where. Often, if we could just talk one-on-one, it would make things better. But it's a scale problem, right? At the scale at which humanity is operating right now socially, that's not possible. We cannot be intimate with every single person we encounter who has an impact on us, right? And we have an impact on them. Well, going back to Carla's note about distractions in, uh, in the orange ray, distractions in the orange ray, I think social media is just a great example of of. It's been so positive in that people have been able to stay connected and reconnect. Um, it, 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 it's, it's helped foment revolution in Egypt. You know, I mean, it's the power of social media is incredible. But I think where it falls apart is that it's only it, it maybe it takes care of the yellow ray, but while avoiding while cutting out the orange ray completely. Because you don't get that one-on-one inter- interpersonal face-to-face relationship. I think, um, oh gosh, I think I watched an interview. Someone was someone was grilling Jordan Peterson about some of like his hate mail or whatever, and they read <laughs> they read like a letter that he received about one of his I can't remember if it was one of his students, but someone basically wrote him a letter about he was you know he was a, a hateful person and whatnot. And um, the interviewer asked him to comment, and he said that when he read the letter, he didn't hear a person. He heard an ideology. And that really stuck with me because I think you can see that all the time when you, when you hear group discussion, when you're on social media, and you can hear just the language that is being used, um, especially if it's a contentious issue, it tends not to be that person's opinions and feelings and fears it's a regurgitation of the ideas that that person has heard from somewhere else that they haven't done the work to earn that opinion but it resonates so they just kind of steal it and then make it their own it the same stuff just gets repeated over and over again and it doesn't seem like you're really communicating at that point right you've just it is a ritual at that point right we are all going through this ritualized interaction and the energy's moving right that's a good energy's moving putting it 
Yeah. The energy's yeah. moving, but like we're not getting anywhere with it mm. because we're just reproducing our existing yellow ray selves. Yeah. And That's, the, oh, the only the, the the only reason to do any of this from any rational point of view is if it's going to change somebody in some way. And we mm-hmm. always hold out that hope because, you know, hey, look, I have uh, I've been taking a break from Twitter, but man, I have learned some things about myself <laughs> interacting on there. And the thing is, is that like once you do drop down to that personal level, like you very quickly decide whether or not you uh, there's anything to, to, to be done there. But that so seldom happens. And I really do think social media kind of blurs the line between orange ray and yellow ray because they make people who would otherwise only be yellow ray addressable. They, there's a possibility of orange ray addressable in a way that like wasn't there before, but also both of those rays are only being addressed in very stilted and, and, and filtered ways, right? Yeah. Like DMing with someone on Twitter or having a private message conversation with someone on Facebook isn't that much different uh, than dealing with them out on the public feed, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, but there, there's something different about it and there's something not different about it. And there is, it's just this very stilted way to interact with people, but it also shows you um, maybe uh, the distinctions between orange and yellow ray, maybe just not as brightly, right? Like mm-hmm. a little dimmer orange and dimmer yellow ray. Mm. It, it's good stuff to think about when you have a yellow ray facilitator like is it like facebook i mean it's kind of an orange ray facilitator but when people only partake in the yellow ray aspect and kind of ignore the other stuff mm-hmm. well then you've got either a blockage or you just have an absence of you know and that's not going to help with the completeness of of being you know yeah like what is called for in my mind is um, the ability to achieve the vulnerability that we can get with orange ray, but at the, at scale, right? Ooh, mm-hmm. At the social scale. And I think you see, sometimes you see people who have this ability uh, to talk to millions of people as if they're talking to one person. And they have an ability to like deal with this energy in a way that in kind of an analogous way to the way we would deal with the energy in an interpersonal one-on-one relationship, they can deal with it on that, on that not higher level, but like maybe more refined level of having to uh, communicate and express an idea in a sense of their beingness through the social matrix, right? Through Mm -hmm. the, through the society. That's a, that's a very, very, uh, uh, for me, it seems like a very tough thing to do, but there are people who are able to do that. You see this in politicians and different, you know, public functionaries of different kinds who are yeah. able maybe to channel the zeitgeist or the national or uh, the city or whatever that spirit and like represent it. And like that seems to me to be I mean, that's something that I really, really want to be able to do. But because I'm interested be in great? politics. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it would be great to have that charisma to and to have the well i think one thing i've learned in at least in my career is that so many people are so uncertain of the way that they feel they you you typically feel a certain way but you're uncertain Mm -hmm. if it's quote unquote the right way to feel Mm -hmm. you don't know if you're sane or not you know and so many people are so 
easily convinced if another person just comes in completely confidently and talks, no, no, this is what it is, you know, because so many people are so questionable, like, I don't know, or I don't care. So if someone comes in with conviction, I think naturally we just think to ourselves, well, no one's going to talk with that kind of conviction unless they actually know, you know, so it's just funny how many people fall into that boat. And unfortunately, I don't have it in me to talk with that level of conviction about so many things, Um, but it would be nice to have that confidence and that Oh, I don't know. I kind of have a, uh, I kind of place a stigma on people that like to be in the, in the spotlight and, and, and talk with a lot of conviction because personally, I just think it's so hard to do. You know, the more you know about a subject, the more you realize you don't know about the subject. So whenever I hear someone talking with that amount of conviction, I'm like, yeah, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Suspect. Very, Suspect. very sus. Yes. <laughs> totally. I agree. But there are people I have, I do know that like the ability to work with the social energy in a positive way is extremely needed right now. A way mm. of being sincere uh, and a real person, but being able to scale that so that we can all see that we have that in us. Somebody who can reflect that vibration and then everybody who hears and or sees uh, that person feels that vibration in them and they recognize something in themselves. That's what I think that like, you know, pure positive yellow ray is going for because then that's what sets the basis for being able to have true social memory. Well, I know we could talk about this for probably days and still hash through. I'm sure after like 10 hours of discussion, we could probably come to some pretty good core principles, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately we don't have 10 hours. So, and the listener doesn't either. And I mean, the listener, God, no, I think know. about how excruciating that podcast would be. You know, we should turn, we should uh, provide some drinking game rules about whenever Ryan tells a story, take a shot or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm sure that would Whenever be. Jeremy says, it's an energetic phenomenon. <laughs> I, I like your, I like your uh, hand wavy. I like when yeah. you say hand wavy. I love that visualization. But I think now's actually a good place to stop. Next week, I think. We're going to prepare just a little bit more. Let's touch green ray, love, and beyond to the violet ray. And maybe we can do a quick, you know, quick recap or clarification on the lower energy centers, if you want to call them that. But um, I think it's a good place to to, to wrap up for today. Yeah. Uh, the, the important thing I'd leave the listener with is that these three lower centers are not the sexy centers for spiritual seekers. Spiritual seekers tend to want to get into the higher energy centers, to the heart, uh, to the to the to the throat chakra where communication happens, and ultimately to the third eye, to to the uh, indigo ray. Uh, those are where all of the mystical stuff um, happens. But because we have this understanding of the serial nature of how the energy flows through the centers. Many seekers who focus on those higher centers forget the lower centers. The Confederation is constantly mm-hmm. bringing this up Thank and you. that it is important to understand these much more grounded energy levels and make sure that we're not ignoring any messages that our greater selves are giving us 
through the the feelings and the blockages and the overstimulations that we feel at those centers. If you want to help and if you want to be of service in this uh, more refined spiritual way that I think all of us do, it's important to never stop being a human and never stop connecting with the fundament of our experience. It is only when you are connected to those first three centers on the level that everybody else is, that then you can take that higher truth, that higher energy, and truly manifest it into your lives and the lives of the people that are around you. If you cannot take this higher energy and bring it into manifestation for all to see and experience and learn from, then you're really just seeking for your own for your own purposes and that's fine but that's not really the path that the confederation likes to talk about mm. uh you know uh buddhism is one of those uh disciplines that tends to isolate people from uh other selves and focus solely on a wisdom based path that 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 focuses on the higher chakras um and that can sometimes uh, be the right path for somebody. Um, I am not saying that it's wrong. I'm simply trying to point out that for the Confederation, they are charting a different course. They are charting a course that has us at once be uh, spiritual and connected to our higher selves and connected to the creator, but also connected to each other, connected to the world, connected to all the stupid stuff that goes on on this planet that, uh, whether we think it's stupid or smart, it's where we're at and it's where we can serve. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because selfish me, I want my third eye open. Like whatever that is, I want that, <laughs> you know, but maybe before I get there, I want my heart open and I want to feel with that green ray, unconditional love and understanding. I want to experience that. But as I understand it, I'm not going to be able to get that feeling, that understanding until I get a better handle on what's going on at the yellow ray and the orange ray. Um, so for me, it feels like if, if I want that goal, like kind of like what you said, you're working on those higher levels, but can you really get there, what you're going for, until you handle what's going on below? You know, I think that's where, that maybe is where the work actually needs to go in first, making sure you're all set with that red, orange, yellow, working your way into green before you can get that third eye open. <laughs> so um, I'm glad you bring that up because that is why I wanted to actually talk about this and, and uh, kind of hash through this is uh, for that reason. How can I better work through those lower levels to slowly start opening up those higher levels? Yeah. There's a, there's a quote uh, that talks about this that I'd like to read from if I can find it. Well, Yeah. There is plenty to cover, and I know we'll have a few good transcripts to read from. I'll have more from Carla's book uh, covering, you know, Green Ray and on. And uh, I think, you know, I think there's going to be some good stuff covered next week. Yeah, um, there's more to say, and I'll save it for then. Yeah, lots more. And of course, there's, you can do this for an, a lifetime and just keep getting yeah. more and more each month, each year out of it. So, um. Gosh, a good conversation. I'm glad we kind of hashed through this. It's so complex, but I'm sure at its base level, it's so simple, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's easy to. It's too simple to podcast about. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to next week where, where we'll discuss Green Ray and on. 
Jeremy, would you like to do the parting words? Yes. And I just want to personally thank the listener for their patience with us. I think we're, I think I in particular am a little uh, fuzzy today, but, uh, these are topics that I really care about and I promise I'm giving the best that I can. Uh, it's just so hard to talk about, but if you would do us this one favor listener and stay in the love and light. Thank you. <laughs>